Hello and welcome to another episode of On the Floor with Wayne and Rob. I'm Wayne Highlander, National Sales Manager for Bone Adhesives. And I'm Rob Johnson from Bona Training. How you doing, Rob? Oh, I'm doing good, Wayne. How are you? Good. I'm doing well, thanks. Uh, we have a guest with us today. I'm really excited to talk to you. I've known uh, this. We have Jason Elquist with us today from Blackhawk Floors. And I've known Jason for a long time, but I've known of Jason for a lot longer. So they, uh, good afternoon, Jason. How you doing? I'm doing really well. Thank you very much. Good. Appreciate you making the time. Absolutely. I appreciate the, the opportunity. Yes, sir. So uh, tell us a little bit of background about yourself, Jason. A lot of guys might know you uh, as, as a regional instructor for the NWFA. Uh, you have a lot of irons in the fire, as they say. So uh, just a little background about yourself. So we, uh, my wife and I started Blackhawk Floors in 2002 in, in, uh, in Phoenix, Arizona, and we kind of cover the greater Phoenix area for anything hardwood floored, from uh, a single board repair to um, engineered flooring to custom sand and finish. Um, okay. I'm a member of the NWFA, one of the regional instructors uh, for the National Wood Flooring Association, and uh, yeah, get to work with great guys all across the country, guys like uh, guys like you and and even guys like Rob. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh no, 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 no! That's not how this is supposed to go. You and I, we're supposed to be buddies here and ganging up on Wayne. This isn't a, a busting on Rob show. Well, you gave me 20. He's given me 50 per insult. So yeah, you just got to oh, pay more, okay. Rob. Or, okay. <laughs> All right. I'll wait for your text. There you go. <laughs> um, what, what teaches do you, what classes do you teach uh, Jason at the NWFA? Uh, everything from uh, concrete and moisture to uh, the beginning or installation and sand and finish classes all the way to the advanced level classes. Uh, I had a class with you recently. Oh, actually, I don't know if you, you were not an instructor. You just were there in the building uh, for some reason. And uh, I don't believe you were an instructor. Was it the Bona Expert class? Were you uh, the instructor there? I think you, uh, I know I, you were there. I have. I've done a couple of the Bona Expert yeah. schools. So that's, uh, uh, that's where I met Jason. Okay. The last, the last Bona um, BCC Expert School. Good deal. So I remember learning, uh, I've been around a long time and I learned a, a trick from you that was really cool that I've, I've used since then. So, you know, that's the thing about these schools. You can be you do floors for a long time, but one little tip or one little thing you can add to what you do. I say it all the time, man. And it was, uh, it was big for me. So we're glad to have you on. What we want to talk today. Yep. What we want to talk to you today about, uh, Jason is, uh, I know you have a retail store. And uh, a lot of contractors, and I, I, I've said this before on this podcast, I remember in 2007 where, you know, the, the, uh, we, the recession hit or whatever, and a lot of contractors were thinking, you know what, uh, I wish I would have opened up a retail store. And some guys are saying, gosh, I opened up a retail store. I shouldn't have done it because of the overhead. So I want to kind of talk about that leap from, from being a floor contractor and maybe you work out of your house or your van or what have you, and, and you want to have a storefront. That's a big leap, isn't it? I mean, so you you made that. How do you know you're ready to make that jump? I I think it's a lot like getting married. You don't know if you are for sure till you just jump right in. And I think with ours, we were at a point we we opened our first showroom in 2005, and um, pre-recession things were rolling. We needed a place where our customers could come and look at product. Um, and at the time, our we had we had designers and architects and, and builders driving 30 miles across town to drop plans off to us. So 
we didn't have to be in the heart of where actually our work was completed, which was nice because we were able to get in on a lower rent property and in, in uh, closer to our house. Since then, we've had with the recession and and um, times have changed, so we have to be kind of in the heart of where we're doing work now. So, of course, that means a little higher rent district and more overhead. So, um, but it, initially, I think you really need to be at a spot where you're ready to step away from the 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 craftsman side or doing the work in the field and let the guys let your employees do that because you really at that point have to focus a lot on showroom estimates um, and still managing everything in the field so it's if you're if you're starting a family and you're going to start a showroom at the same time they that's a huge huge undertaking um, I would do one before I did the other and and kind of stagger them because it's it's like having another kid yeah. Well, I mean, it's almost like starting a new business. I mean, and so when you did that, you had to look at and say, okay, here's what my rent's going to be every, every month. Here's my electricity's going to be the plumbing. I have to staff it. How close were you when you, when you, when you figured that these are, these are not things that you had to enter in the equation on your bids before. Did you concern you that, well, now I'm going to be too high or I have to raise my prices or how did you figure out that formula? This is my overhead now. Is what I'm going to have to start charging and, and, and make that jump. Well, I think you have to take all of those things into account. Um, your prices are definitely going to go up and you have to figure out where you're going to do that. You can't just do it on your installations. Um, you can't just do it on your materials. Um, you have to do that across the board because as soon as you do it on one or the other, someone's going to come in and want to just purchase material, um, which your cash and carry materials are great, great sale. It's a great way to make money. Um, but you need to have your margins on there so that your showroom can stay open because it is, it is a lot. It's insurance. It's the, the, uh, you know, the mortgage it's, it's the staff telephones, internet. Now, now you've got more at the time when we started it, advertising was mostly, uh, yellow pages. So whoever had the biggest yellow pages ad, that's kind of was King. And now it's gone to the internet where we're spending an exorbitant amount of money every month. Um, on our uh, on our website and web searches and keywords and all that stuff so it's just really morphed um but again that it's if you were to balance it back out again uh, it's really fairly similar to what we were paying before you know it's funny you mentioned the yellow pages uh, a long time ago i said to my cousin lives in boston they got a hardwood floor business out there so I said, how many guys are in the yellow pages here? And he goes, there's, there's thousands. He goes, it's unbelievable. He grabs me the Boston telephone pages and the name of the first floor guy in the Boston yellow pages was A-A-A-A-A-A-A floors. <laughs> it was like seven A's. And then the second guy was like six A's. I swear to God, it went seven, six, five, four. So uh, I said, I wonder if they're getting a lot of business, you know, I mean, they're calling the first number that they see, I guess, but I don't think the seven uh, a flooring got a lot of business. <laughs> uh, so uh, what, one thing I think would always be a challenge too, cause uh, you know, you, you, you're a craftsman. I mean, you, you, you are one of the best I've ever been around. And I, I'm not saying that cause you're here, you're a flat out stud. I know that about you. You won't say it. I'm going to say it. Uh, you're you're a heck of a, a floor man. Um, you're very generous with your teaching of, of that trade too. So I would think being in your shoes, that okay, I'm a craftsman. I love what I do. I'm you know I'm working with wood, and you get the gratification with talking to the customers. They see that 
this is Jason put his hands on this and this is what he did. And now you're stepping farther and farther away from that. How do you balance that now that with now you're a business owner, which has to take precedence because you have other people relying on you and you're getting farther and farther away from the trade. That could be good and bad, right? So how do you, how do you uh, balance that judgment? Or uh, how do you balance that, uh, the two? It's hard. Um, I think that was the hardest part for me is stepping away from the field work. Uh, I'm allergic to being in an office. I will break out in hives. If I'm in here, if this podcast goes uh, another 45 minutes, you're going to start seeing blotchy skin and I'm going to start itching all over. I'm a field guy and I always will be. And um, with that said, it, you have to let go on some level if you're going to have, well, and that's whether you have employees or, or not. You know, if I have to run to pick something up, I have to trust that if I leave an employee at a project that he's going to continue on at the same level of quality that I would if I were there. It doesn't always happen. And that's why you have to pair guys with other guys when you, when, with your employees. So the hardest part though, was stepping away. The easiest part was, um, stepping away as well because it gave me some more freedom uh, time at home with my family um, it gave me some freedom to do some traveling that way and then also start some other avenues of, um, of revenue that I've been wanting to do for a while and focus on some other things uh, building some furniture uh, which brings the craftsman side in, back into it there's so many days that um, you know our floors we get to work on a few really brilliant floors a year that are you know, that you're super proud of and you'd want to show photos to um, friends and family. But those are few and far between. The, the budget is what it is with most people. And so if we're installing a, an engineered floor that's pre-finished or a custom finished floor that is, you know, medium brown tone with a semi-gloss finish that's kind of the cookie cutter, it, it got a little monotonous for me. Um, you can make those floors as close to perfect as possible, but I was still getting a little bit bored. And so this gave me the opportunity to step outside, um, do some more things uh, that, that brought some, what I would say kind of quality of um, back in my life, as far as just being able to focus and be proud of my work. Well, you know, you can um, maybe feel good about this. A lot of those floors you're talking about with those beautiful, stunning floor of the year type floors, Rob has on his wall and he put his name on them. Uh, so they're out there still. So, <laughs> you know, Wayne, you didn't ask me about my store. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't know you had yeah, a store. Yeah. 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 I was, uh, you know, I was a big time player like Jason. Yeah. I, uh, we had a store. It was right in the corner of a building. Okay. Ask him what the name of the store was. Was it A, 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 A? No, 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 no. I told you we we're right in the corner of a big yeah. building. We were Wood Floor Corner. That was uh, the name of the store. I see, I see oh. how it works. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The mines, you see? Fourth you generation. See? Exactly. Eileen's going to hear this and want to hire me in marketing after this <laughs> when I come up with that name. 400 bucks we paid for that store, 400 bucks a month. That was wow. all utilities. The problem is we had to share the bathroom with the guy who lived upstairs. So, you know, once in a while he come down and in his robe and shower, you know, when I was talking to a customer or something, but, but, but we had people, they're like, bye, you guys have some crazy hours there. Huh? I mean, I, we drove by your store. It was open at like 1230 at night, one o'clock in the morning. And I, it turned into more of a men's, you know, like a mafia hitman 
club type of a thing. You know what I mean? All my buddies started hanging out there and coffee in the morning, beer. We didn't get a lot of work done, but it was good to catch up with everybody. And, you know, we had a blast doing it. What year was that? That was uh, 98 and 99. You know, it was right in the middle of the big pergo push. Okay. Right. And every Saturday morning I get calls. Hey, do you have, you guys got pergo? You guys got pergo? And I'm like, Oh my God, no, I'm a, I'm a wood floor man for God's sakes. I don't have (laughs) pergo here. And then after like I hung up on a hundred people, I said to my partner, I said, I'm running down Home Depot. I'm going to buy two boxes of Pergo. And then when people would make the call, you got Pergo? Yeah, come on in. Yeah, come on. I got it. Would you then upsell them the wood? You know it every time. I'm the king, baby. <laughs> the king of the upsell at one o'clock in the morning. Have another Heineken. <laughs> so, Jason, uh, I, and I talk about this from time to time. I've talked to a lot of really good floor men. I'm always curious about this. It's one thing to let go um, and delegate to installers. That's hard enough. But now you have people in the showroom that are meeting your customers and, and selling your customers when you're not there. And so you have to let go on that side too. How hard is that? I mean, I, I can see, I mean, you, you know, when they're talking to your customer, you have so much knowledge. You just want to just get this one little point across or whatever. You, 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 you just can't do that. You have to trust that they're going to, uh, to be able to do that for you, number one. And number two, uh, I've read that if you have a really experienced retail salesperson on the floor, that they can really, I mean, dramatically increase, increase that sale from, from just a you know, bottom line sale to, to upselling it. And, and you know, by, by having that kind of input in the retail store, it can help you in that way. So how do you, first of all, how do you delegate like that? How do you, how do you, how do you, how do you trust enough to let them do their job? That's a long, long-winded question. But that is the longest question ever asked on this show. Very good, Wayne. And I'm glad that, because the whole time you were talking, I'm like, I really forget what the question is. So I'm glad you came yeah. back around to it. You ready, yeah. Jason? I am. I, I think so. I wrote it down at like five minutes ago. <laughs> um, so the hard part is, it is hard letting go in the showroom as well, because the, the first person, many times they're going to see my customer is going to see is whoever's in my showroom, salesperson, office manager. Um, that's the first person they're going to meet and they're going to, they're going to look at Blackhawk floors in relation to how that person treated them. So that's their experience until they've met either myself or one of my, um, one of my other measures or, or installers. That's the face of Blackhawk at that point. So it, it is important. And we do offer really low. We don't, we don't pressure anybody. Um, none of our, our, our sales are like, hey, you got to sign today. You got to sign today. Um, and a lot of it also is how we have our showroom set up. So as someone comes in the showroom, the wow factor, uh, beautiful floors up front, some pattern floors, um, everything's always clean. Everything on the floor in the showroom helps sell it in that it's all custom finish on the floor. Two floors in the on the on our showroom floor are engineered. Most of them are solid finish, um, on site, and uh, all of them are finished on site. But uh, setting product up as you go into the showroom, from more expensive to least expensive, if they come in and they see something that's absolutely stunning at the beginning front of the showroom, and they never walk to the back, 
that's the best thing they can do. Um, the salesperson meets them at the front of the front door, introduces themselves, kind of asks them where, what they're looking for, a budget, those type of things. So it's pretty simple, but stepping away is the hard part and, and not knowing how maybe they're representing the company when you're not there is scary as well. So you really have to do place a lot, you have to place a lot of trust in that person to, to know that they're representing you the way you want to be represented. So it's scary. It's like leaving the job site and not knowing what's going on when you're there, um, whether it's for an hour or a day or a week. Um, it's the same kind of thing. So at some point, it's a leap of faith, having faith in that person and trusting them. You know, one of the issues we had with our store was trying to figure out the best times, the best times to be open. Because it was still my partner and I, and we were running the store and out doing the work and the jobs and everything. Saturday was always a great day. But it was days and nights and, you know, trying to figure out what, what were the hours that worked best for you? So we're 10 to uh, 4.30 or 10 to 4 rather on um, Monday through Thursday and 10 to 2 on Friday and Saturday. So you were given in the Saturday too. Yeah, we, we are. And there's occasionally where someone will have to do an after hours appointment and that's fine. Um, you know, if they, they get off work at five, they can't be here till six. Um, then we make accommodations, but most of the time those people are able to come in on a Saturday, but uh, we've tried to scale our, 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 set our business up too for the office staff and the field staff that being family based business. So if they have kids, if our employees have kids or a life outside of work, we want them to have that. So I don't like to work my guys Saturdays if we don't have to. There's times where we're seven days a week and that's just how it goes. But most of the time I try and give them some free time that way. And, and uh, you know, Saturdays are biting into that weekend. So we try and keep the hours limited. You know, you mentioned about putting the putting the uh, the product up front, the, the nice, really fancy floors up front or whatever. There's there's a bit of a science, isn't there, to laying out a retail store. Uh, I've been in retail stores before where it looks like flooring exploded. You know, it's like, I don't make sense of this. There's racks and aisles and stuff laying around. And, I, you, know, you know, there's really no no direction here. So do you put any thought into that? I mean, you know, you must have. I mean, um, how much of that was a... Uh, a concern when you started laying out your floor because that's the other thing you've got the you've got the retail store now now it's a big empty building all right that's rent i mean uh, so what do you put in there that that and how do you how do you focus it where it makes sense to you and what you're trying to do so we did we did just that we did our custom finished stuff up front we did some reclaimed flooring up front this the the products that we're going to make more higher margins on or more money on um, the projects that we're more proud of doing in that, uh, you know, they're fun to work on a custom finished floor versus a pre-finished engineered. They're still, you put the same pride into it, but the level of satisfaction is a little greater when you install the raw piece of wood and then sand and finish that same piece of wood versus just putting in a, a floor that was finished at a factory. Still a lot of pride in that. And there's a difference between, uh, there's a difference between an engineered floor and an engineered floor you they still have to be installed properly but with that said everything in my showroom is kind of geared towards more expensive to least expensive the only other factor that i put in there is good rep support so if i have a product that i've got a great relationship with my rep and he's always taking care of me um, if we ever have any questions he's always there 
his product is going to get boosted up front. Um, and that's just how that goes. Um, I've got a hole in my showroom here right now with a space for another line. I'm just not filled it yet. I've got over 800 samples in here now, and that can be a bit overwhelming too. So um, I just haven't found the right, the right product to fill that space. When I do, I want to have a hole for it to just drop it in. I don't want to have to figure out what I have to get rid of at that point. So I'm always trying to keep things as streamlined as possible. If I'm not getting good rep support from a pre-finished floor, um, and mostly what we deal with here on the pre-finished side is engineered, um, that product is gone. I won't put up, I mean, there's too many products out there with great reps and great manufacturer support to, to put up with something that you're not getting good support with. I like your style. I mean that to reward the people that are that are that are helping you with your business and doing the right doing right by you. That's pretty slick. What trends are you seeing in flooring now? What are your hot sellers? Wide plank, you know, wire brush. What are you seeing? Yeah, and yeah. I mean, it's we're still in the middle of the gray beige bomb that's gone off in this country. Um, which which you know it's. It's a beautiful floor. Wire brushed is very, very popular right now. Um, I would say that's probably 30% of the custom floors we're doing and probably 85 to 90% of the pre-finished floors we're doing have some type of texture or wire brush um, or more open grain on that white oak type product. And of course, all wide plank, everything. I think the average, of course, is still around seven inches, but as wide as nine and as narrow as like five and six. Wow. I, I'm thinking about delegating time, you know, and, and I know you have a, you, you got a lot going on, man. And, and actually, uh, I, when I wanted you to do this podcast, I, I called your office and um, I asked to talk to you and they said, he's not available, blah, blah, blah. And, and, and a very nice lady that answered the phone, by the way. And, and here's his email address. And I thought, that's pretty cool, man. And here, you know, cause you, you know, you can't take every phone call from every schmo uh, that's out there. You got too many. If, if you did that, you you're, you would be buried. So you've got obviously a, a, a real good system of, of flow of information where it maximizes your time. And maybe you can talk about that a little bit too. I, I liked it. I thought when I hung up, I was impressed. You know what? I shouldn't be able to just call you anytime. <laughs> and you shouldn't be able to take any phone call like that. Whether there has to be you know, when you have, the more you got going on, and, and I learned from my sister-in-law, again, I'm sorry, it's a long-winded question, damn it, I'll get around to it in a minute, uh, but my, my um, uh, sister-in-law uh, has a really high, powerful job in the music industry, and I stopped telling people I don't, I'm too busy when I got to know her, because very high successful, highly successful people are very good at managing time. Uh, and I learned a lot of things through her just being around her and how, and, and obviously you have to do that as well. So having a store, having a retailer uh, and doing the bidding and estimating stuff like that. How do you manage your time there? I got the question now, damn it. There you go. <laughs> a boy. You, you know, you just got to keep with it, Wayne. It's you there know? somewhere. You know, just keep come with out. it. Absolutely. <laughs> did you write that one down, Jason? I, I did. I Good. Did. Good. Yeah, so um, <laughs> I got I got to go back in my notes here. And, and, <laughs> All right, uh, well, I'll help you out. I'll, I'll help you out. Wayne, you're living Wayne's dream. Wayne is now a corporate stooge. His <laughs> dream is to have a girl picking up the phone and telling. No, nah, I'm sorry. 
Mr. Highlander <laughs> isn't available right now. I'll give you his email address. Okay. Now, now he's, he's, yeah. he's very envious. He's jealous. He wants yeah. that. What you have. Yeah. It's, it's nice to, to have that buffer of the office, um, to be able to, to give you that freedom to, to not have to return a phone call right away. Uh, but, uh, there are times where, you know, I, I usually, if, if you've left a message with my office, I know about it within five minutes. And if I call you right back, um, then uh, I have time. If I don't, I'll call you as soon as I can. So I, I definitely don't put anybody off for days, uh, but it may be a couple hours. I may be right in the middle of an appointment. Um, and anymore, sometimes my appointments might take two hours. They might take 20 minutes. It really depends on what I'm doing at the time. But um, And maybe I'm doing a routing in a, an inlay or, or a, a nosing or something. And I just have my headphones on and I'm not paying attention to anything. So it's nice to be able to turn it off every once in a while. Well, and, and I did, I got an email back within, I think about 20 minutes or so, which I appreciated. Uh, what, what, I know you're busy, but um, the other thing is, is too, is um, in this world today, especially with the younger generation, sustainability is a big deal. You know, the, the, there's a lot of greenwashing out there, but you know, uh, it is important to people that the low VOC products, the zero VOC products. And, but not only do they, want to be able to have the choices from you of sustainable products, but they want to know that you as a business owner also practice sustainability. Uh, so do you put any weight into that or how do you handle that part of it? Yeah, and that's mostly done with our advertising now. Um, on the sales side too, you know, we'll talk about our adhesives most of the time when we start doing that, whether it be adhesives or finishes the customer at that point starts glossing over and then we've lost them. So really it depends on the customer as to how deep you go into, um, you know, the technical side of it, but it seems like that is good. They are good word searches. They're good buzzwords to use in advertising. And I think they're extremely important. And, you know, a few times a year, you're going to get that customer that's done their research and understands what um, zero VOC means. And, and, instead of just a buzzword, they actually understand it and they can carry on a conversation and want to know about it. But for the most part, it's, it, they gloss over and, um, oh yeah, yeah. My husband will talk to you about that, which he doesn't really care either. He's ready to get on the golf course. So, um, it's, uh, yeah, it, so it, it's, it's all, it's all relative, I guess, but it definitely does help in the advertising side of it. And, um, I know that a lot of people have retail stores, Jason. One of the one of the challenges um, is uh, the internet, you know, and all the online shopping. And we noticed, I think I saw another survey, like 95% of the people uh, that are going to buy something, a major purchase, they they go online first. So you have that to compete with. But interestingly enough, I think they said like still like 65% of the people still buy from brick and mortar. The research might start there, uh, but you have you you know, retailers today you hear it all the time that are they're challenged with uh, the inter so the internet. So how do you make, how do you stand out from the next guy? And, and uh, how do you make your customers feel like, all right, you know what, this is the guy? Well, and I think, I think we probably lose about 30% of the people that come in the showroom. Um, there's a few of them that walk in and they're just sold right that they, they're like, this is the guy that's going to install my wood floor. And then there's a certain number of people that are, um, that are just shopping price. And I get it. There's everybody has a budget and, and if you if you have to go with another company to make it, you know, to put that wood floor in, I understand. Um, 
you know, I'm a consumer as well. And, and I have a budget when I start a project too. So it may be though, sometimes these customers might be better off if they save their money for another six months or a year and, and got the better product or got the better install. Um, because I think the pre-finished market in Arizona is so great that most of the time consumers don't think they're going to be able to tell the difference in the installation. And so if they've got somebody that can give them the same product and they see the value in the product, they don't always see the value in the installation. I'm usually more expensive on the installation side and, and many times the product too, because we've got the overhead, we've got the showroom versus somebody working out of their van that maybe is paying a little bit more for the product, but still able to offer it to the customer for much less than I can. Um, and they don't see the value in the installation up front, and, and the consumer doesn't, but I guarantee a year, two years, three years down the road, they will start to see the value in that wood floor. Two floors installed at the same time in, in two separate homes undergoing the exact same conditions, one done properly and, and with great products used in craftsmanship will look better in the same amount of time with the same care as the floor next door that was done with less or more inferior products and using the best adhesives and using the best finishes. And those are all things that set us apart. And oftentimes customers don't, it's hard for them to see that up front because they're just gonna look at that finished floor and say, that looks good to me. They don't understand the value sometimes. And that's our job is to help educate them. And um, you know, the difference between an oil floor and a polyurethane floor is one of the big there's different maintenance schedules. And so sometimes people aren't willing to go, you know, with that oil floor, um, the maintenance, they don't want to do it. So you have to educate them up front. So I think that's what we do in the showroom probably that, that helps separate us from everybody else is that um, we show them the difference. We talk to them about the product and, and the differences between, you know, two similar products, what are they getting for their money? So it's again, educating them, spending that time, low pressure, letting them walk around, letting them check samples out. Um, you know, those are all processes that try and keep them in, but I still think we lose about 30%. And I don't think that that number will ever change. So the 60 or 65% that you had mentioned is right in line with, we, with what we see. Well, Jason, how, how important is training uh, to you, to your, to your retail salespeople, the, the knowledge uh, and also the, uh, the installers? Yeah, so I mean that's key. And knowledge and, and um, training is what separates us. Again, we have to be able to to educate our customer, the end user, about how to maintain their floor, the difference of what they're getting. Um, can they turn their AC off when they're gone for the summer? I mean, we get it gets hot here. People want to turn their air up to like eighty-five or ninety when they're out of town for three weeks in San Diego and they want to do that and you have to educate them. Hey, well, you're going to come home to a damaged floor. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of issues we have here that they just don't know. And so it's our job to train them. Same thing with in the field. I expect my installers to be able to answer simple questions like that. Um, how am I going to take care of my floor? Pretty simple question, but you'd be surprised how many people installers I just don't think ever pay attention to that whether it be something newer on the market, like the oil, and I say newer, it's been around for a long time, but the oil floors, um, you know, I oftentimes, I don't know how many times, at least once a week, I see a floor that's been maintained uh, with the wrong cleaner. And um, whether it be an oil or polyurethane floor, and, and it's, it's sad because many times those floors, in order to, 
to do maintenance on them are going to need that sand and finish. And it's our job from the top to the bottom. Um, so I guess you call it like the, the forest to the floor, right? I mean, as it comes to us, we're educated by the, the manufacturers again. And then it's our job to, to educate our customers so that that floor that's going down in their house is still a Blackhawk floors floor forever. So it's yeah. my floor living in their house and I want it to perform um, forever. And that goes from education and training in the office, being able to sell a product that they're going to be happy with. And then the installers being able to install and finish um, that floor to um, quality industry standards and, and oftentimes above, right? It, we, we strive for above industry standards on every floor. Um, and, and I want them to be proud of that floor. I want them to bring their neighbors in and say, hey, this floor, you need, you need my wood floor guy. And they don't, their neighbor doesn't even want to invite them next door to see their floor that somebody else did. So, because they're embarrassed by it. I really think that's the advantage of, of real, real hardwood floor guys and whether, you know, against the big box stores and the big outfits or whatever. I mean, that's the passion that you have, the knowledge that you have. I think you have to tell that story. I think you have to get that because that's the difference maker. I mean, that, that is, you know, what separates you from 10 guys down the road. I mean, that, that knowledge and passion of a lifetime, uh, that's your, that's your trade. That's your stock, man. I mean, and so you're right. I think guys in this situation have to tell that story. They have to get that story out. Uh, whether it's through to social media and blogs and stuff like that. But I think that, you know, there's a lot of retailers out there, a lot of retail stores, but I think that is one of the advantages that you have that you have to really have to talk about. So interesting. Um, so you got two, you got a couple of beautiful kids. You want to talk about your kids uh, and what you do in your spare time? I have uh, three beautiful kids. I have yeah. um, a girl, boy, girl, they're 10, eight and six. And, um, yeah, they're, uh, they're with this COVID stuff. It's it's different. They're uh, they're at home. My oldest is loving it, and um, the other two are tolerating it. But uh, my daughter's kind of thrive with the the home the homeschooling. She loves that. Um, she's actually been going to the CrossFit gym with me now, and she loves powerlifting and and CrossFit. So she goes four days a week. Um, wow. And uh, so it, it's helped her immensely or mentally and. It, exercise is so good for you um my little boy he's into to football and and uh anything sports he's just he's a pretty talented little athlete at at you know just eight years old he's still uh he's still pretty good that way and then my six-year-old of course she's just always cute and and breaking stuff and so her <laughs> that's just a <laughs> That's my life. You know, I, being at NWFA schools with you in the past, Jason, I know uh, your kids. I mean, you, you, you are you are one proud dad, man, because uh, and you don't have to know too much about you to know that uh, that is uh, really a special thing in your life. And it's pretty cool to see your interact, your interaction with your kids and everything and how much you dote on them and talk about them and love them. And uh, pretty cool, man. It's important to make time, make, important to make time, isn't it? It is. I mean, that's that's why we do what we do, so that we have the opportunity to to spend time with them and give them something that uh, maybe we didn't have or some other opportunities. But some of my favorite times are getting my kids with their hearing protection and eye protection on and getting them outside just with a, whether it be a palm sander or whatever, just doing something with uh, with wood and and engaging with uh, kind of kind of things that. Uh, um, that we do. I mean, my daughter had a pro project last year where 
she made a guitar out of all reclaimed products. And so <laughs> we used a, we used a uh, paint thinner can and we used a piece of old reclaimed uh, wood for the, the neck and fishing line for the string. And uh, it was all reclaimed and she made, you know, she made 98% of it. I just helped her set the saw up and she made the cuts and um, yeah. that was pretty cool to see. So that yeah. was, uh, it, it's fun doing any kind of project you can with your kids. I mean, at the end of the day, this is, uh, uh, that's what makes life so special is is being able to to share it with other people whether it be your kids or family or friends so you know you talk about the this is a weird year what what changes did you have to make in your business like showroom and your guys on the job so it's a lot more um you know wearing masks oftentimes when we're standing and finishing we're hanging plastic uh to separate us from the rest of the home so um, we'll wear masks until that's done. Once that's done, it's oftentimes we're wearing masks when we're sanding anyway. So, well, they better be. I'm giving them to them, so they better be wearing them. Um, and then in the office, it's changed a little bit. We we really never shut down because we were considered essential here. Um, so it was just immediately went to masks and hand washing and sanitizer and uh, cleaning cleaning products is, or samples coming back in has probably been the biggest thing, rotating those around. Um, you know, kind of doing a cleaning and then not putting them back into stock right away. So that's been the, the biggest thing for us, um, having some samples out of commission where, you know, we're just not sending them home or putting them out to display until they've, they've sat for a period of time. Um, so other than that, it, we had about 10 weeks worth of work on the books when everything closed down here and that all continued. We had one job postponed um, since then we've done that one. And it's been a little slow, but it's starting to pick back up. So we're um, and we're back to where pretty much where we were prior to. Uh, it'll affect us a bit over the course of the year. I mean, our, our gross will definitely be affected by this. Um, but all in all, I mean, as bad as some businesses are getting hit, we're, we're very, very fortunate. Good. That was the toughest part of this thing was on Wayne was uh, he was writing letters to the governor of Tennessee one a week. Uh, explaining that he is an essential worker. It's essential what he does. He I've couldn't never, uh, he couldn't bear that non-essential tag that they placed on him. Never been so insulted when I realized I was not essential. Uh, I just got a couple more questions for you. What, what is the one thing, what is one of the most important things you learned opening up a retail store, Jason, that maybe caught you by surprise? Uh, and one one word of advice for someone that's going to do the same thing. And you can think about it. Yeah, no, no I, I'm, I'm, I'm taking a moment to pause because I don't know exactly. <laughs> I, I should have shortest question. Yeah. I, I he didn't, had like he didn't think the question was question over. To, yeah, yeah I, he didn't think it was over. No, it just got right to the point. I, I would say probably one of my biggest surprises, or, or, and then maybe they both fall in the same line. If you're, pe the, you have to deal with more people, um, more employees. Employees can be great and they can be the absolute worst part of our business and oftentimes they are. Um, and it's, it's very difficult to find a good employee. And when you find them, you do your best to keep them and the good ones sometimes have enough ambition that they wanna move on and that's great, I'm excited for them. Um, so starting your own thing, you are gonna need more employees. And if you don't like dealing with more people, then you should probably stay a one man, two man show kind of thing. And, you and your helper just go out and crank out beautiful floors. 
but if you want to step away and have some more free time, um, have the ability to um, to do more more work. I think you know you're definitely gonna do more volume. You have to do more volume uh, just to pay the bills. But if you want to be to do to move forward towards that goal, then uh, you know the showroom is gonna be the right decision. But so I think that's the biggest uh, the biggest thing I had there. Um, that's a great so, point. But other than that, um, the biggest surprise, gosh, is probably the people as well. Okay. So you, you get you you get really close. You work really closely with with uh, with your staff, and uh, I mean, people can be great. So mm -hmm. I, I think that was uh, I don't know one of the biggest surprises. I don't know. I don't know what that would be. I really kind of went into it knowing, kind of understanding what it was. Um, yeah. But I mean, it is, it is, I mean, I'd say the people, I mean, they, they get, they become family. So mm -hmm. it's just like the NWFA and, and you and Rob and all the guys I've met through the National Wood Flooring Association and the trainings. Um, the wood floor industry is a, is really fairly small when you start looking at, at the groups of people we see every year, every year, every year. And same thing kind of goes with the education program. Um, you see often see the same companies providing seeing the value in the education um, and sending their employees there um, so i think the biggest surprise would have to be just the people get you know they they become family and I'll, and my last question i have for you is uh you know one day you're going to walk away from this flooring business and uh years from now and you're gonna be an old guy and you're gonna look back and what do you what do you want them what's the one thing that you want them to say about jason elquist when this is all said and done he cared. Yeah. You know, I don't care if they think I'm good. I don't care if they, I want to be able to give back. And I, I think that, um, you know, that's my biggest thing. I want to be able to give back. I think the industry's done a lot for me. Um, and, and I love it. I, I want to perpetuate it and whatever I can, but if I can give back to the industry that, that, uh, is really, I, I absolutely love doing wood floors. So, and, and I could go out tomorrow as long put my headphones on and sand a strip floor and just be happy, go home at the end of the day, tired and um, just be happy. I mean, it's, it's just, uh, it's, it's a beautiful thing, putting finish and stain down on a product. Um, and I love to be able to give that back. So that's, I think my biggest thing would be that, uh, that he did his part to, to perpetuate the industry. And that you have along the way. Uh, you've taught a lot of people, and I like the way that you teach too, Jason. Uh, you're um, you're non-judgmental. I mean, you just you, you put it out there, and, and you're very calm, and you, you're methodical when you teach it. And uh, you've taught a lot of people, including myself, along the way, and I'm grateful for that. And uh, we really want to thank you very much, man, for your time on the show, and uh, appreciate talking to you. Good seeing you again, Jason. You you too. Thank you very much, guys. I very much appreciate it. Well, this has been another episode of On the Floor with Wayne and Rob. Please stay tuned for another episode.